Acts chapter 2. It's found on page 911. 911 in the Pew Bible in front of you. Or 32 through 37. And I'll be reading those texts as we go. Let's pray together. Receive your word. We are thankful for your word that we can know you through it. We pray now, even as I prepare to preach, that you would. the encouragement and equipping and building up of this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of us, I would perhaps say most of us, when we think of Mother's Day, we have joyful thoughts of our home life. We have joyful thoughts of our mom. Even those who have lost their moms... Perhaps it's a day of sorrow because of how much they miss their moms and the joyful times that they had with their mom. Most of us probably have great affection for our parents, even in spite of their failures. I'm convinced that my own children have great affection for us, even in spite of all my failures, all my craziness. In a loving home, we experience being nurtured, we experience being cared for, Our moms or our parents or our loved ones, they saw our needs and and they did what they could to meet them, sacrificially loving us and showing concern for us. I I was blessed to experience this in my own home, personally. A joyful experience of a family, it runs deep, in which we were were bonded together, and our identity was tied to to one another, right? So even in my own house, you're, you're a Bergmeier. This is what Bergmeyers do. This is how Bergmeyers act. This is how Bergmeyers speak. You are a Bergmeyer. That's so our, our identity. We were a closely knit group. Perhaps you've, you've seen families that are, that are closely knit together. And when we read and study this passage of Scripture, it reminds us of family. It gives us a picture of what the church looked like in the first century that still holds true today. Because when we think of fellowship, right, we think of or community. And this fellowship was expressed in unity with one another and in sacrificial love and concern for one another. And as a result, God used this fellowship even as I was preparing this message, that that in talking about fellowship, which I've probably done a lot recently, in talking about this, I've been encouraged. I've been been very encouraged to see our fellowship together and how we're growing in this. Watch and be a part of. And so this morning, my hope is to encourage you, 
in this and to, to challenge you, right? That we continue to be challenged as we focus on focus here on fellowship. So here's my here's my main point. Fellowship expresses unity with one another. One another, which results in church growth. Fellowship expresses unity and sacrificial love and concern for one another, which results in church growth. So first, you can see this in your outline. Fellowship expresses unity with And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. ...and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with... And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. As Luke wrote in the... It wasn't necessarily preaching. It wasn't necessarily preaching. Perhaps similar in our own day. What, what attracts... Right? I spend a lot of time studying God's Word so I can preach it. So perhaps similar in our own day, right? But what attracted these outsiders was fellowship. Was community. Through the preaching of the Word, as the Holy Spirit came upon the people and convicted them of their sin, and they, they repent and believe the good news about Jesus, a new community was established. A new family was established. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and... And we've touched on some of the others in the past, and we've considered the growth of the church. And here this morning, fellowship, fellowship became a key first to the idea of, of sharing in common. It refers to partnership. We see how it's defined in 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be, here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, do not be unequally yoked with unbelief. Partnership has with lawlessness. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with, with idols? The idea of fellowship is, is partnership 
being of one accord, sharing in something, agreement. You see, the, the pattern, the pattern of fellowship that was established in the early church was a shared life together. Very much like a family. They had a common life. They were united around a common identity. With a common belief and a, and a common goal and devotion. We see this in Philippians chapter 1. Paul prayed for the church in Philippi. And he prays with joy because of your partnership. Your fellowship from the first day until now. Your partnership in the gospel. Your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And what's interesting here in in Philippians, this ties more with my second point, but but I want us to see this, is that at the end of his letter, so he, he prays for this partnership, he thanks the Lord for this fellowship that he has with them. And at the end of his letter in chapter 4, in Philippians, Paul says that when he left Macedonia, they were the only church that entered into partnership or fellowship with him in giving and receiving. So even the idea here of sharing in common, united around a common faith and purpose, expressed itself in the sacrificial love and concern for each other, right? They, they gave and supported his ministry. This is a pattern that's fleshed out for us in our text. Notice verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So to be in fellowship, to share in something, involved being together. Verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with joy, joyful and glad hearts. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. The believers share their lives together like a family. All who believed, right? They, they turned away from their, their sins. They, they turned to Jesus and they're united by faith in Him. They're brought into fellowship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this led to fellowship with others as well. I just want to say here at the beginning, right? Stated from the beginning, in order to have true, genuine fellowship that transcends anything that this world offers, you must first have fellowship with God. And this fellowship with God that will last forever only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So, if you want to enjoy fellowship with God, or you want to be in God's presence forever, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. You want to share in the life of Christ. You want to share in eternal joy and happiness. Trust in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and your selfish interests and turn to Christ. And then you have lasting fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. Our fellowship with one another, as we share in Christ's life together, should surpass all other partnerships or common interests that people have in their lives. The early church was united in Christ. And this unity led them to be together. They want to be together and share their lives together. We see this explained in Acts 4.32, which is our other text. 
Acts 4.32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that he belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. So here they are. They're of, they're of one heart. They're of one soul. They're, they're of one heart, one mind. The idea here is they're one unit. Right? This is a unit. They're united. They, they live in harmony with, with one another. And what they believed and in what they thought and in their purpose their existence, they were one. They had a shared faith, a shared identity. They're all on the same team. Right? They're all on the same team. If you've been part of a, of, of, of a team in any kind, right, you understand what that's like. For those who have served in the military, you understand what it's like to be a unit. You're connected together. In a similar commitment to seeing the gospel advance for the glory of God. And as a result, in, in Acts 2.47, right at the end of our text, the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Church growth. Church growth. The outside world was attracted to this community, this fellowship this partnership. And when the family of God gathered together, united around the Word, and, and gave a visible expression of this shared identity, God used this to grow His church. And so, fellowship, sharing in common, partnering together in, in the Gospel promotes unity. And it, as it encourages the In the Lord. Second, my second point is this. Fellowship expresses sacrificial love and concern for one another. Right? Just as fellowship involved being unified in Christ and unified in their goals and commitments, just as fellowship expressed unity with other believers in Christ as they met together, so also it's expressed in their sacrificial love and care for each other. united in your commitments, meant that they would take care of the needs of one another. Right? They had love and concern for each other to make sure that their brothers and sisters' needs were met. Right? In Acts 2, 44 and 45, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They're selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, now look with me at, at Chapter 4, verse 32. In the last part of 32, I want to read 32 through 37. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any. Of encouragement 
a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what we a positive example of it. As the believers were united together and they shared in this common faith and purpose, Who had resources, they were able to sell some of what they had, and then, and then they would bring the money to the apostles, who then would distribute it to those who had need. The positive example here, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas is seen as an example of encouragement, and that he sells a field brings the money to the apostles who then distribute it to those who have need. And what better name to give him, right? What better name? I've seen this sort of encouragement here at Pleasant Ridge. People willingly and joyfully giving of their, their resources, of their finances, right? their time, their energy. To meet the needs of others. We had a practical example of that this morning from what we heard from Jace. Those who receive these gifts certainly are blessed and encouraged by it, by the one who has served them and showed concern for them in this way. It's a small picture of sacrificial love and concern that Christ has modeled for us. Right? Nor that we might be in fellowship with him. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Then John picks this up in 1 John chapter 3. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought also to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone, and listen to this, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We display sacrificial love and concern as we meet the practical needs of others. The early church and Barnabas, they saw a need. And they had the resources to meet it. And they generously provided. And as a result, as a result of this practical... Outsiders, unbelievers, know the followers of Jesus and therefore learn something about Jesus as we fellowship together as we visibly express our love and care for one another and i am convinced i am convinced that it may lead people to say yes yes i want to be a part of that i want to be a part of that team i want to be a part of i hope 
as a result, the Lord grows His church numerically and spiritually over a long period of time. Because when we express love and care for others, for our brothers and sisters, they're encouraged and built up. And then they, in turn, encourage you. I had an instance this past Monday. I received a... ...preached last Monday. But still, Mondays are always tough for pastors. I receive an encouraging text. All right, wake up, read an encouraging text. Words of affirmation that build me up and sustain me. And then you know what I wanted to do, right? I want to then bless and encourage someone else on that day. I want to, I want to pass this along. Kind of like when you, when you pay it forward, right? You guys are familiar with the idea of paying it forward? Someone blesses you and encourages you, then what do you want to do? You go do the same thing to someone else. You and bless and encourage them. And then the ripple effect continues, just continues and continues. Our fellowship, our sharing in life together, it leads to unity and, and love and care for each other. And it builds us up. And as a result, it blesses others. That's my hope for us as a church that's my hope for us as the family of God. So third, how do, we, how do we apply this, right? My last point, we ask a question, how, how do we apply this? What are the practical implications for this? What does it look like? What does it look like to have fellowship like this? What's it look like for me as an individual and for us as a church? So fellowship is expressing our unity and our commonality and our sharing of lives together. And sacrificially loving and caring for each other. What does this look like? First, it involves being together. So we meet together. We make it our aim to gather together. It's difficult to have lasting fellowship if we aren't in contact and rubbing shoulders with each other. I had every intention of keeping fellowship with some of my brothers that live a long ways away. I just... Here... So we need to be intentional in our meeting time and we should also seek ways to get together. Which means we communicate what's going on in our lives. Right? I personally like to hear what's going on in your life. I like to hear what's going on in your lives. I like to hear what your kids, what are your kids involved in that I can come and, and, and see and, and be a part of and watch? What are you involved in that I can come watch and just be together? Is there something that you're doing or, or that you would like help with? Although, maybe you just want company from me. You don't want help. I'm not going to be able to help much. I'll be there and watch you do it. <laughs> right? I'll watch you build something. <laughs> I'll hold a hammer. <laughs> Maybe you just need another person present. 
for some of the, for some of us, this might mean making an effort to attend regularly. That's a hard word to say. Regularly, right? We, we're intentional about gathering, so we try to meet often. It might mean becoming a member of our church. It might mean serving in, in various ways here in our our ministries that we have going on. Right? So there's a number of ways in which we gather together that has significance in our everyday lives. Second, to have fellowship, we not only need to be together, but we have to have a proper mindset. Right? We have to have a certain mindset. Just because a group of people are together and in the same room doesn't necessarily mean fellowship is taking place. Those who have played a musical instrument in a band, they recognize there are many times when not everyone is on the same page. There's, there's no harmony. And some march to a, their own, the beat of their own drum, right? So when we meet together, we need to display humility. The greatest hindrance to fellowship and unity is pride. In order to maintain unity in Christ and have love and concern for others, we need to have the mind of Christ in which we lay aside our own interests for the good of others. This takes intentionality as we remember Christ's example. How He became a servant for us. He became a servant and humbled Himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death on a cross. When I think of fellowship and I think of team bonding or team unity or I think of the army, right? We think of the army, right? What do we think of that fosters this, this unit? How is this unit strong? What, what brings this sense of strength in its relationship and its bonding and community? It's a mindset, isn't it? It's a mindset with a common goal. It's an, it's an us, right? It's an us against the world mentality, isn't it? We're one team. We're one unit. It's us against them. And in a sense, that's, that was happening in the early church. To follow Jesus in, this, in the first century might have resulted in death. Right? We know that. We know how many were martyred in the first century. And so those who turned away from the world this crooked generation, and they turned to Jesus and then were baptized, there was literally a threat of death. So, the ones in your corner would be a group of people that also identified with Jesus. And so bonds were built. And so I just, I just want to encourage us with that. That as the body of Christ here at Pleasant Ridge... Let's remember that we are a family. We're united around the gospel. We're united around our common goal and our common mission. We're on the same team with the same commitments to know Christ and to make Him known. Let's be humble and lay aside our own interests for the sake of others. And let's be eager to share what's going on in our lives. One of the things I appreciate about the... Uh, our prayer chain, right, and the, the emails that get sent out are the requests that are sometimes mentioned, right? 
it encourages me because I've heard stories of people actually having physical needs. They put it on the prayer chain. They have a physical need. Someone sees that, and then they respond and help them out. That is a blessing. That is, that is a blessing to, to share what's going on in your life, to share your prayer requests, your concerns, and to know that we are praying for them, to know that we are meeting someone's needs. I've been encouraged by this. That we generously and willingly help each other out. So lastly, if we're to have true, lasting fellowship, and I said this earlier, we must be in fellowship with God. We must be in a genuine, committed relationship to Jesus Christ. Because what could bring together, right, think, think in Bible times, what could bring together a Jew and a Gentile? A slave and a free person. A barbarian and an educated man. What, what can bring them together in the first century? Fellowship with God. Sharing in the life of Christ. What could a 70-year-old man share in common with a 17-year-old student? What could bring together a farmer and a businessman? What could bring together someone from Coon Rapids and Glidden? What could bring together people who look different, talk different, have different interests, different backgrounds, different social status, different race, different ethnicity, different gender. What brings them together to share in something in common? To share something in common. What breaks down these walls, right? There, there are walls between Glidden and Coon Rapids. It's true. What breaks down these kind of walls and barriers? There were real distinctions between nationality and race. Between Jew and Gentile. What breaks down these walls and barriers? Christ! Christ! A union with Christ. A fellowship with God through Jesus Christ surpasses all other relationships. Because it joins us with believers in the past and it extends to all eternity. When I lived in Louisville, this isn't written down. When I lived in Louisville, we really saw this. Right? We saw how divided a people were in Louisville, Kentucky. You had to choose between Kentucky Wildcats and the Louisville Cardinals sports teams. You couldn't be one or the other. You couldn't be both. There could not be fellowship between someone who was a Kentucky Wildcat and a Louisville Cardinal. It just didn't, couldn't exist. 
They have separate places in their stores. Union with Christ. Union with Christ. Fellowship with Jesus together brings people together. That's what I want to be about. A fellowship that expresses itself in unity and sacrificial love and care for each other will result as our fellowship with God is strong. And so might we continue to seek ways to strengthen our relationship with God and our fellowship with one another. As the family of God, might we then continue to joyfully join our lives together in Christ. Let's pray. Now, Father in heaven, we give you thanks this morning that we have, by faith in Christ, we have fellowship with you. We are united around Jesus Christ. And the fellowship that you share in as, as the triune God, we get to be a part of. We get to participate in this. And so, as we are united to Christ, as we share in the life of Christ together, might it overflow into our own lives as we relate and rub shoulders with others here at Pleasant Ridge. Might people on the outside, might visitors even see this, might people on the outside see a family that is united in love and care for one another. And as a result, would you do a mighty work in their lives to bring them to Jesus as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.